Titus chapter 3, I shall read the chapter thereafter, we shall consider verse 8. Titus 3, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, at renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Atimas or Tichikas to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenas the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be, unfruit and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greetings, greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that as we handle your word this evening, that you may help me to be faithful. I may teach with precision. Help me, Lord, to speak with boldness and the unction of your spirit pray that the Holy Spirit may come and inspire our hearts indeed grant that there may be fruit through this ministry and help us indeed for we know that we are feeble men strengthen our inner man open the eyes of our hearts that indeed we may receive it with meekness we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the tactics of the evil one when it comes to the doctrines of grace 
is to swing us on either pendulum of that truth so that we are not grounded in the truth. And this has been repeatedly being displayed throughout the history of the world. Whenever there is a recovery of the doctrines of grace, often we see the church swinging to the other pendulum. And this, the matter before us has to do with good works. And throughout history, there has been a false interpretation of good works as far as the, as the scripture is concerned. There are those who fall into legalism, believing that good works is the way for salvation. There are others who have fallen into antinomianism, which means they are against the law. There are people who say, Good works are not necessary. We have free grace. And the idea of free grace to them is they are free to sin and do whatever they want. What we've seen in, in chapter 3, verse 4 to 7 of Titus is that acceptance before God is not based on good works. He says in verse, verse 5, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. He saved us not because of good works in us. But he says, but according to his own mercy. Isn't it? That salvation that has come to us is entirely upon the work and person of Jesus Christ. We asked ourselves the question, how does God save sinners? We saw that God saves sinners through regeneration. He removes the old nature and he gives us a new nature. And the new nature delights in the law of God. The new nature hates sin. This new, new nature sees Jesus Christ as the power of God and puts trust in him. This new nature repents of sin, exercises faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then God justifies this believing sinner. We saw the idea of justification is it's a legal declaration where God declares sinners to be righteous. God imputes our sin to Jesus Christ so that Jesus Christ bears the penalty of our sin because he meets the, the requirements of the law so that we have perfect righteousness in the eyes of God. You see, the reason why sinful man cannot go to heaven, first of all, is because they have sin. And even if their sin was to be removed, they still need a righteousness that is acceptable in heaven. And see, Jesus Christ does all that. He saves us from our sins and he makes us acceptable to God through justification so that God can look at a sinner in spite of their sin, in spite of their life of repentance and still make them acceptable before him because it is no longer on their merit 
but the merit of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so God views and treats us as though we have kept the law perfectly. Why? Because we have put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we saw that the believer is adopted in the kingdom of God. He has been made heir. Um, God regenerates. He justifies. He makes them heirs. Having looked at the marvelous work of God in achieving salvation for us, the believer may be left asking, if I attribute nothing to my salvation, that is, if there is nothing I can do to gain salvation, what is the purpose of good works? Why should I do good works if it does not merit my salvation? If my good works will not get me to heaven? Because clearly verse 5 says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. He saved us not because of, righteous, of our good works, but according to His own mercy. So it was not our good works that moved God to save us. And so if our good works are worthless in meriting salvation, is it important? Why good works? And the answer is found here in verse 8. It says, The saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Although good works have nothing to do with our salvation, they do not merit our salvation. But you see here that they have everything to do with our outworking of salvation. Having been saved apart from good works, good works are important in your outworking of salvation. Good works are demanded as a result of salvation. Good works are an evidence of salvation. They are a proof that you've been saved. And this idea, this theme of good works is huge in this letter of Titus. If you, could, if you could look, look at Titus 1.16, it says, They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. This is talking about false teachers. Chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech. Chapter 2, verse 14. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Chapter 3, verse 14. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. You see, the whole intention of God's redemptive work is so that we can be zealous for good works. If someone does not have zeal for good works, then they have not been transformed by the gospel. Paul is concerned here that believers be involved in good works. And you could say to the audience to whom he's writing to that this was 
there was a national characteristic uh, about the people of Crete, isn't it? We are told that they are always liars, they are rival beasts and lazy gluttons. And Paul is concerned that there should be good work in these people. If these people believe that they are, they are Christians, they need to get off such behaviors. They need to do good works in order to justify their profession of faith. This evening, the sermon is titled, Why Good Works? Why Good Works? At the first point, I want you to see the urgency and necessity of good works. The urgency and necessity of good works. The first section of verse 8 says, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, the urgency of it, so that so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good work, the necessity of it, the urgency and necessity of good works. Paul is telling Titus, you're a minister of the gospel, and as a minister of the gospel, ministering to believers, they are not to take lightly the matter of good works in their lives. So he says, the saying is trustworthy. What is this saying? What is a faithful saying? He's saying those who have been regenerated, those who have been justified, those who have been adopted in the kingdom of God are to maintain good works. The faithful saying is a statement that is a valid statement. It is trustworthy. It means that it can be relied upon as an accurate expression of truth. And Paul is telling Titus that I desire that you affirm it constantly. Insist on these things. It's not enough for Titus to tell them once. I want you to insist on these things. I want you to confidently speak on these things. What are these things? The faithful saying is the grace of God in salvation from verse 4 to 7 found in Jesus Christ salvation has come through Jesus Christ and because salvation has come you can count on it your life can depend on it we are saved by the grace of God and this grace is not dependent on anything we have done we are declared righteous through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are heirs of God through the hope of eternal life. Paul is saying these truths are trustworthy saying. You can rely upon it. You can depend upon it. And he's telling Titus, I want you to speak confidently about it. I want you to insist on these faithful sayings of the gospel. God wants ministers of the gospel to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we must hate sin, we must mourn over our sin, that we must cast ourselves upon the mercy of God. We must go to the Lord like David. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. We must rest 
and receive Christ alone for our salvation. God wants ministers of the gospel to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. God wants them to be told that man cannot be saved apart from Jesus Christ. This is a faithful saying which we must speak confidently. Paul is telling Titus, impress upon people this doctrine of grace. Dwell on this truth. Dwell on the gospel. Proclaim constantly the need of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and repentance unto life. The minister of the gospel must keep away in what he says in verse 9 keep away from foolish controversies genealogies, dissensions and quarrels about the law why? because they are unprofitable and worthless it is the duty of the minister to teach the truth because this truth will build up the people of God and to godliness and the purpose of this preaching the purpose of this preaching of the gospel is so that the people may be careful to busy themselves with good works. Those who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ might be diligent to obey the law of God. God saved us so that he might restore us to a place of godliness. God saved us from our sins in order to be conformed to the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Good works flow from faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It flows out of justification. And Paul is telling Titus, preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ so that God's people may be careful to do good works. You see, salvation through Jesus Christ produces the fruit of obedience. And the church of Jesus Christ should be zealous to obey God. This faith that is received through salvation, that, that is a gift from God, comes first so that good works may follow. You're saved and you're saved unto good works. Good works are deeds that are done out of faith. Why is faith important in good works? Because the Bible says, without faith it is impossible to, go, to please God. So that before you trust in Jesus Christ, all your good works were sinful, isn't it? You cannot delight in the law of God. You cannot delight in worship. You cannot delight in the only true God. Before you believed, you did not delight in keeping the, the Lord's day. You did not delight in honoring those in authority. You did not delight in speaking the truth. It is only those who have believed in Jesus Christ who do good works that are pleasing to God. These truths should be impressed upon believers in Crete. Titus was to continuously declare this truth. People were to be constantly remember, be reminded that this was their duty. Why? Because people can easily forget their responsibility, isn't it? People must be constantly be reminded to do good works. Chapter 2, verse 7. 
He tells Titus, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech. Titus was to show himself a model of good work in what way? By, an, by example, isn't it? He was to be a godly example of godliness. He was to affirm his life by his teaching and by example. And this was a mark of a true believer. So that those who have believed in God, they should be constantly be reminded through the life of Titus and through his teaching that they should pattern after good works. You see, if you're a believer, you recognize that you're saved unto good works and you have a responsibility to walk in that light. says here, the saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God, isn't it, may be careful to devote themselves to good works. You see, it's only those who have believed in God that are able to do good works. And the idea there of careful means that they must exercise thought, they must be, they must ponder, they must think carefully how to maintain good works. So this is not a casual thought. This is not an occasional thought. These are thoughts that someone must think deep about as they pursue with zeal good works. The mark of a redeemed person is that they are zealous for good works. You don't need to force them to do good works. The mark of the unsaved says there in chapter chapter 1 verse 16 that they profess to know God but they deny him by their works that they think that they know God, they have a relationship with him but they deny him by their works and then it says they are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work and so you, you, you're able to see very clearly here that the way you can tell if someone is saved or unsaved is whether they are zealous for good work. If they are denying good works by the way they are living, by their conduct and behavior, then they are non-believers. And these good works are not an occasion. It's not a hit and a miss. To be zealous means that good works are constantly present in the life of a believer. Because it says there to, to maintain. They should, be, they should be careful to maintain. It means that good works should rule their life. They are to dominate and control them. This was the character of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are told that Christ, Jesus Christ went about doing good, isn't it? Jesus in, 10, in, chapter 10, in, in John chapter 10 verse 32 tells the Pharisees, I have shown you many good works from the Father for which for which of them are you going to stone me? This was the characteristic of his life. 
Jesus Christ was marked by good works. And good works is a proven evidence that we have known Jesus Christ. Secondly, notice the benefit of good works. The end of verse 8, it says, These things are excellent and profitable for people. In other words, good works is not an exercise in futility. It is good both for the doer and for the recipient, isn't it? Good work is profitable. It has value. It has benefit. For someone who is not a believer, there is never devotion to good works. They may do it for a while, but they cannot maintain it. It's like the example of the seed that fell on rocky ground. Or the seed that fell on thorny ground. The seed was unfruitful. The seed sprouted up, but it did not maintain. It did not bring forth fruit. So Christians, we are to avoid certain things that are contrary to good works which we are told there in verse 9, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law. For they are unprofitable and worthless. These things distract us from good works. Let me so, say also that a good work is defined by God himself, isn't it? It has to be something that is commanded in Scripture. It has to be something that comes from a believing heart. It has to be wrought by the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God in the soul of a Christian. Our confession says, chapter 33, of good works, Good works are only such as God has commanded in his holy word, and not such as without the warrant thereof are devised by men out of blind zeal or upon any pretense of good intentions. Are these good works, they are not in any way contrary to the commandments of God. It has to be something that has been commanded in scripture. So that there are people who have idea of good works, but it is blind zeal. What, you, what is important here is to see that the matter, the substance, the content of good works must be found in scripture, must be revealed by God in his mind through the scripture. This truth, Titus is told, he must affirm constantly. As you preach, as you pastor in Crete, make sure that this doctrine is taught and expanded. Impress this doctrine on the conscience, conscience of the people. Why? Because good works and the lives of Christians 
adorn the gospel. When the world sees believers doing good works, it points beyond them. The good works point people to God. It is the root of good works. What is being spoken here? Faith. That those who have believed in God. You see that saving faith is the root through which good works spring forth, isn't it? So that you must get the relationship between faith and works correctly. Salvation is not faith plus works. Faith and works do not merit salvation and eternal life. But the Bible says salvation equals faith plus works. Faith plus good works. The Bible says salvation without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Fruitless faith is not true faith. Why? Because without faith, we cannot please God. The natural man cannot please God because he cannot understand. These things are foolishness to him. He cannot please God in any way. The natural man cannot receive the things of God for their foolishness to him. Jesus says, a bad tree cannot bring forth good fruit. So that a non-believing heart is totally depraved so that it tries to do good works but it is corrupt before God. It is filled in the eyes of God. This is because the source of that good work is corrupt. The wellspring of that good work cannot be accepted before God. For it to be accepted it must come from Jesus Christ who transforms our heart. see, a person may do outwardly what the law of God commands. He may keep the Ten Commandments. But his deeds are sinful. They are never pleasing to God. So that every good thing that you did before coming to, to saving faith, every good deed that you did before salvation, it did not glorify God. He did not honor him. Why? Because you are still a bad tree. You are still corrupt. There is nothing good in you. Jesus Christ has to transform your heart and out of him will good works be pleasing to God. This is not to say that non-believers cannot do good works. Non-believers may be unable to do good works. But let me say, they are responsible for their good deeds, isn't it? Because on the day of judgment, the law of God will be applied to all mankind. And for those who think good works do not matter, because after all, I'm an unbeliever, it does not have any effect. But you're responsible. If you neglect the commandment of God, it is even more sinful. And the more sin, more stripes, isn't it? The more you sin, the more you increase your judgment because of iniquity. Good works cannot justify us because God's holy standard 
is perfect. It is righteous. It's far beyond us. The ability to do good works is not found in ourselves. It is found in Jesus Christ. So that when he says there that those who have believed in God, it's only those who have faith. Those who have believed are the ones who have faith. And faith is the root of good works. Saving faith is a gift from God. Those who have a new heart, a new orientation, a new attitude, because the Holy Spirit has come to live in them. They are full of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit enables them to produce good works. Those who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, faith enables them to prevail as victors with God in prayer. Faith enables them to be heard by God. Faith gives them power to conquer temptation, to resist the darts of the evil one. Faith enables them to rise above the storms. Faith enables them to rejoice in the midst of tribulation, to fix their eyes on God. Faith enables us to overcome victory over the world. This is because faith enables us to look at the face of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the root which enables the gospel message in the soil to be nourished and built up. And by the ministry of the Holy Spirit to bear good fruit. Jesus says in Matthew 5.16, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, the Lord is pleased with the good works of believers. Why? Because His name is glorified. The more the world sees the good works performed by believers, they're able to see beyond that person. They're able to praise God. God loves and God delights in the fruitfulness of His people. So for the believer to say, I will not do good works, it's an attack on the character of God. Isn't it? There should be a proper motive for holiness and it should be for the glory of God from the beginning to the end. The urgency and necessity of good works as well as the benefit of good works necessitates that we put away certain things that distract us from good works. We must purge away certain people, certain works, so that we'll be prepared for good works. There's a danger for us as Christians to be drawn away into unfruitful works. So we must guard ourselves. We must be careful, as it says, ponder, think through. So that we are thoroughly punished for every good works. And so it's imperative for you as a Christian to expose yourself to the scripture. Because it is through the scripture that you're corrected, you're rebuked, you're taught. 
you become punished for every good work. Second Timothy three sixteen to seventeen. There are a lot of people who think that because they're doing some social programs, they're making people feel good. That they are doing good works. But let me say, unless it faces the test of scripture, they're not doing good works. Regardless of how good it may seem to the eyes of other men. As long as it doesn't fit the definition of good works from scripture, it is not good works. So that the Bible, as you read the Bible, it equips, it equips you to know what good works are and what good works are not. Let us pray. Lord, our Father, we pray that you may produce good works in our lives that are in keeping with our repentance. Grant that we may be models of good works. Help us as well as a church to insist on these things. Because salvation without good works is dead indeed. There must be evidence of true salvation in the things that we do. Help us as well to keep guard against foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions and quarrels. Things that are unprofitable and worthless. And help us that we may seek to produce every good work to the praise and glory of your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.